Sounds of Mary J. on Tavis Smiley. Delighted to have you with us in this hour. And uh, what an hour it's going to be. Uh, in this hour, we'll talk to uh, the sisters. And in our next hour, we will talk to the brothers. As I mentioned at the top of our show today, in our three, young, black, and done with Biden. Uh, the issues for some black men that could decide this election. Strap yourselves in. Uh, we'll be joined by some brothers who were featured in a major Washington Post piece about why as black men they are done with Joe Biden. I, I'm not sure I understand all that, but we'll talk about it uh, and hear their point of view in our third hour. So in the third hour, we'll talk to the brothers. But in this hour, the sisters, specifically two of the women who now make up the all-female city council in St. Paul, Minnesota, a rarity among large cities to have an all-female city council. Anika Bowie and Shaniqua Johnson are members of that council. Councilmember Bowie, how are you today? Hi, good evening, or good afternoon, I should say. I'm doing well. It's Thanks for having me. My us. pleasure. Good to have you on. Councilmember Johnson, how are you today? I am also doing well. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us on. No, it's my pleasure to have you both on. So I'm sitting here um, in the studio looking at a photo of, of this entire council. <laughs> it is quite the photo to see all of these sisters <laughs> who are really running the city of uh, of St. Paul. I, sh- I should mention, and you probably both know this, I'm in Los Angeles. This radio program is heard across the country in syndication, but I'm based in L.A. And here in Los Angeles, a pretty big deal. We have an all-female uh, board of supervisors. So the women who run the county of Los Angeles, and the county of L.A. is bigger than, bigger than many countries in the world. That's how big the county of L.A. is. But there are literally five women who run the entire county of Los Angeles and the CEO of the county of L.A. is a black woman. Um, so there's some powerful sisters, of course, Karen Bash, the mayor here in L.A. So we got a lot of uh, got a lot of sister power here in Southern California in L.A. to be sure. But it was fascinating for me to see this story of how uh, these women have pushed out these white men and others in St. Paul to run the entire city. So let me just let me just start with you, Councilman Bowie, and tell me about your race, about your run. Just give me give, give me the the, the, the the short version of the uh, Anika Bowie story. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, thanks for having us. I My name is Anika Bowie, and I'm born and raised in the Rondo neighborhood. My family's been in St. Paul. Uh, we've called St. Paul home for over 100 years, mm. so we are deeply rooted. Um, I come from a family of business owners. My uh, great-aunt actually was one of the only and the first black women to have a liquor license and have an entertainment venue. It was actually the place where Prince performed before he was even discovered <laughs> as Prince. Um, so we're very homegrown, um, grassroots-oriented. Um, the reason why you know I was interested in even you know, continue to serve my community in this capacity was just because of the need. Um, you know, for people who don't know the the story, the history of Rondo, it was actually disrupted through I-94, gutted our actual economic business corridor. Um, so it removed um, hundreds of homes and had actually extracted over 250 50 million dollars of wealth from our community Um, and that's not even just race that's just like Mm. from that neighborhood that community 
um, in general. Um, but we've been very resilient. Like I said, my family's been here for nearly 100 years, um, and we've been resilient not just because we couldn't find anywhere to go, but because we want to continue calling this home, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, making sure we're advocating. And now I have the the honor and the blessings, you know, to um, continue that legacy of advocating, continue that legacy of making sure that we're building, you know, strong uh, wealth development tools, building community wealth, building more housing, and just making sure that people continue calling this home in St. Paul. Mm, I've got some questions for Councilmember Anika Bowie based on what you just shared with me. I'll hold those for now. And when we come forward, I also want to hear, of course, uh, the backstory to Councilmember Shaniqua Johnson. These are two of the sisters who make up the all-female city council in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, We're talking about the power of women, and we'll continue that dialogue when we come forward. I'm Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. You ain't got to push me too hard to play Prince any day, any time, any excuse to play Prince. I'm all in. As most of you know, Prince uh, was a dear friend of mine, and I miss him every day. Traveled the world together, hung out, all kinds of interviews on my platforms over the years, um, and I miss him every day. So when council member Anika Bowie uh, comes on this program and tells me that her grandmother had a club, had a liquor license way back in the day in St. Paul where Prince performed before we ever knew him as Prince, you got to tell me more about that story, council member Bowie. Oh, I wish I had more to share. <laughs> I um, I was I was just a little girl growing up, and um, like I said, it was a it was a nightclub, and in the, in the daytime they um opened it up to like you know community events. But I just remember just you know the days of like the dance floor, um, just seeing just like mm. a space created for black people, black professionals too. You know, um, when they leave work, they have somewhere to go, and just how. Um, Really, it was like our business owners that, you know, we have to thank to like creating these spaces for us to have these memories and also grant opportunities, you know, for our stars and our icons like Prince to, you know, have a chance at, you know, those opportunities. No, I I love a Prince story. uh, And um, uh, I I like you more now that your grandmother gave Prince a stage uh, to perform on. Yeah, I want to clarify with my great. Your great, great aunt. Great aunt. I'm sorry. I said your grandmother. Yeah, your great you aunt. Know, I'm sorry. Yeah. But my, but my aunt, you know how in the black community, we, you know, we all you know, related. So, I understand. But. No, I'm glad. We, we want to we get the record straight. So I'm glad uh, you corrected exactly. me on that. Your great aunt. I, I received that. It's still your family, and you still gave Prince a platform. So we love that part of the story. That 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 works for me. Let me ask you a quick question before I move on to uh, Councilmember Johnson. You mentioned this neighborhood uh, and the devastation economically this neighborhood received. Um, tell me a bit more about that and how that drives your mission and your purpose today on the St. Paul City Council? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I started about a month and a half ago, um, and we've just been trailblazing. Uh, about three weeks into uh, my role as council was successful with, um, along with my colleagues, with passing a permanent street name change of bringing, reestablishing Rondo Avenue, the name back to the street that the um, that runs parallel with I-94. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a step into the direction of establishing a heritage uh, business enterprise district to where we can, you know, put back the infrastructure 
um, and uh, be able to, like, you know, create a pathway forward for us to not only bring our businesses back, but as we are developing and bringing more housing, um, as we're looking at the changes with, particularly with, you know, transportation and I-94, uh, that we can use this as, as leverage to tell a greater story, right? So where the story of Rondo just doesn't exist in the past, but we're actually investing in its future because the people who, you know, like myself and many others um, who not only share, you know, that ancestry, but we want to be able to continue building generational wealth so we can pass down our homes and continue um, not only the legacy, but more so around like the preservation and like the the, the strength of our city. Um, we are, in case you've just tuned in, talking with two of the council members on the St. Paul, Minnesota City Council. Uh, a rarity here because all the members, all seven, in fact, happen to be women. So it's an all-female city council. That is a rarity uh, in large cities across this country. And uh, we are honored to have two of those members with us in this hour. Uh, you just heard the voice of Councilmember Anika Bowie. And now I'm delighted to bring to this conversation Councilmember Shaniqua Johnson. Councilmember Johnson, thank you for your patience. So give me the Shaniqua Johnson backstory. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the things about me is um, it's a little bit different than uh, Councilman Babui in the sense that I was actually born and raised in rural Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in southwest Worthington, Minnesota, a town of about 10,000 people, and my family actually migrated from the south. So my mom is from Memphis, Tennessee. My dad is from Kansas City, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And so my dad came up to the, you know, to the small town to work at a pork plant, like so many um, families of color in the in the region in the southwestern part, and it was kind of amongst like the first black African American wave to Worthington. Mm -hmm. You know, there are there's sometimes articles that just talk about how they adjusted to welcoming African American families, and I kind of chuckled because my father actually lived in Worthington for many decades, and mm -hmm. so before I even came about. So <laughs> a lot of times I got the you know in a small town where everyone knows everyone. You know, I was really like, oh, that's you know, that's, that's Will's daughter. That's, you know, I got the pass or being his, his daughter. Cause everyone knew him. And so depending on what your relationship was like <laughs> with my dad, yeah. well, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I, you know, and that was kind of like my, my upbringing. I had both my parents around, around and I actually came to the twin cities. I came to Minneapolis and St. Paul because of college. Mm -hmm. I went to the university of Minnesota and I was the first person in my family to graduate from a four-year institution. I'm the only person in my family right now that's touching politics at all. Mm -hmm. They come to me. My cousins call me, you know, who are still in Memphis. My mom calls me, who's still in Worthington, to talk to me about voting and who to, you know, who they should be looking at and where can they find their information because, you know, a lot of my family members didn't have the opportunities that I had. They didn't mm -hmm. have the opportunity to go to a four-year institution. So a lot of their trajectory was different, including my dad, who yeah. had to work, you know, out, you know very intense hours. And at that time, working at the pork plant was not paying what it's paying now, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you may do with what you had. And so that's, you know, the background that I have, both from my mom being a certified nursing assistant and my dad working in the pork plant, neither one of them made like, you know, six figures or touch six figures. It was really around like making do with what you had and trying to make sure your kids had the best opportunity. Yeah. And so, you know, my brother and I growing up, like that was what I went into, you know, with school with was that if I was focused and if I put the time in and if I, you know, was the millennial that read a book, I could actually go mm. um, to where, you know, where I could put my mind through something and actually be there. And so, you know, you fast forward to even where I am now, um, 
you know, I'm the tied with Councilmember Yang, who is a Mo- the first Muslim American to be in the ward uh, that she's representing over on the east side. The two of us are 28 years old. Mm. And so when I came to the Twin Cities, you know, I was 18. So literally in a decade's time, I have been able to really dive into all levels of government. I've had a chance to work for Congress twice, um, once for then Congressman, now Attorney General Keith Ellison, and another for the subcommittee on aviation, um, in spaces where often you don't see black women, let alone young black women. I've intentionally been working to connect with community members, not just on the east side, but throughout our city, because for me, this is also a city that has very deep-rooted you know, people who are born and raised in St. Paul. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who actually are transplants, like me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being able to actually bring that that perspective and that similarity, especially among, like, immigrant families and East African families and the place, the constituency that I represent is very diverse. Yeah. We have a lot of different languages. We have a lot of different communities there. And so being able to bring that, you know, space of, hey, I've had to, I've learned the adaptability, but I've also learned the importance of having a representative who's going to listen to a lot of different people and when you're in a town of 10,000 people you just can't burn bridges you just can't like tune out a, a population mm-hmm. you just can't do that oh yeah you have different conversations but you have that one fallout with somebody and then you're going to see them at the grocery store their son <laughs> is the coach of the basketball team yeah. their family you know and so we always kind of joke here about St. Paul small but in many ways like St. Paul has felt like an extension of home for me because of the fact that it's like it's truly like a small town yeah. in a big city. I grew up in the small towns. I know that. Uh, you, you're right. You you bump into folk at the post office and at the grocery store, so you can't you can't get too much of a ruckus going because you're gonna see them at some point <laughs> in in the day, yeah. uh, if if not the <laughs> weeks. So I, I understand that. Um, Keith Ellison, who you mentioned earlier, is a dear friend of mine. I've, we've known each other for years. He's been a guest on this program a number of times. So you and Councilmember Booger in good company uh, in good stead, given that Keith has been a regular guest on our program uh, over the years. But let me let me. I, I want to go back to two things you said, and, and again, I I got stuff for both of you. Um, in this conversation, but let me come back to the point you made a moment ago to make sure I heard you correctly. So you right now, Councilmember Johnson, are 28? Yes, sir. Is there another, you said there's another Councilmember who's also 28? Yes. Wow. So of the seven, (laughs) so there's seven women running the city of St. Paul, Minnesota, and two of y'all aren't even 30 yet. At least two of you. That's correct. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is correct. Okay. I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. Uh, that that's 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 a powerful fa- that's a, a strong and interesting factoid uh, about what can happen when you when when you are young. Uh, and of course, Dr. King is the is the penultimate example of that uh, when it comes to uh, civic engagement. That you don't have to be old. Uh, to make a difference. I was just talking in our last hour about why so many of our leaders in Washington these days, uh, I didn't want to call them old, so I called them chronologically gifted. Uh, but whether you're talking about Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Nancy, I mean, it's a long list of them. Uh, we were just talking about the age of our leaders in Washington. And here now in this hour, I'm talking to a 28-year-old city councilwoman. She's not the only one who's 28 running a major city in this country. I digress on that point um, for now. Um, Councilmember uh, Bowie, let me come back to you because, and I'll get Councilman Johnson to respond to this as well. This is a, this is an amazing story, and when I saw the story of uh, these elections and and how these uh, seven women of color basically are running uh, the city of St. Paul, 
Um, it's a good story. Uh, it's it's got it's 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 a, it's a great story. It's a feel good story. It speaks to the power of young people, as I was just saying. Twenty uh, eight year old young people speaks to the power of women. Uh, and while we live in a, 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 a country, a nation, a society that is still very patriarchal, uh, these stories are, are worth talking about. And so I wanted to have at least two of you on this program. The flip side of that is um, that we've had so much bad to cover coming out of the Twin Cities over the last few years. You see where I'm going with this, that I thought I would I I really want to have this conversation just to change the narrative on Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. I've spent a lot of time there over the years. I know the city well, uh, cities. I have friends there. And, of course, Prince was from there. So I spent a lot of time at Paisley Park and Chanhassen hanging out with him. So I know the area relatively well. But I, 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 I've, I've just had it, as has the nation, and I'm sure y'all have had it, with all these negative stories coming out of Minneapolis about the police, uh, St. Paul, whether it's Philando Castile. We all know, of course, George Floyd. So when, when you are an elected official in the Twin Cities, uh, given the reputation, uh, and, and it's always fascinating for me because, you know, we regard, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul as progressive in their politics. And yet in these progressive places, we've had all this drama regarding the cops or the police and certainly African-American men. So when you represent an area like that in a moment where the reputation of the Twin Cities isn't so great uh, on the national scene, that feels like what, Councilmember Bowie? Mm, wow. I mean, that feels like, I mean, it feels like it's time for people to wake up and step into their power, you know. Mm. And um, I just want to share, uh, you know, many of the people that you had mentioned, um, you know, uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison is a, is a mentor to me. I you know, had the honor to uh, work on his reelection campaign as his political director mm-hmm. and being like one of the you know, only black women in leadership pretty much in those fields. Um, but also, when we talk about, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd and countless others, um, I was actually one of the youngest um, uh, women, uh, black woman, uh, as uh, vice president for the Minneapolis NAACP. Mm-hmm. So um, as we now are in this row as council members, a lot of people ask us, like, well, how do you, you know, how do you stay encouraged or how do you stay confident? And, you know, I think... Um, you know, a lot of uh, the issues that you have addressed, especially as black women, as for, especially as myself living here, this stuff is really close to home, mm-hmm. way too close to home. Um, you talk about Philando Castile. I grew up stacking groceries for him. I grew up, you know, his mom and my mom, Miss um, Valerie Castile, you know, um, being friends and just seeing literally a life being taken because of, you know, we of so many different reasons, but one of them, as we get to like the um, to the to the core of it, um, for me, it was the reflection of there are just people who have not been positioned in power to actually speak on our behalf. Mm. And the people who have created these laws, the people who have created these policies, whether it's on the local level or on the state level or the federal level, um, have not had our um, best interests in mind. And like have you mentioned, you know, yes, we are very forward thinking, right? Um, Minnesota is always on the cutting edge of mm-hmm. innovation, of technology, of development, um, mass development of, of wealth, um, but we just don't see an equitable um, allocation of that, right? Right. And just even just like, you know, for me, um, growing up in a predominantly African-American neighborhood, I grew up with uh, with a, a great sense of pride because I knew the person who literally built 
the buildings, right? Mm. I knew the person who were um, literally the main labor force of our transportation and our Pullman porters, right? And how uh, my community took a great pride of around the the contributions they given not only to the state, but to the mm-hmm. city and then to just like their economy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when we are up against, you know, um, you know, great levels of injustice and uh, we have witnessed, you know, a uh, history and a legacy of violence. Uh, we see that here. Um, I think it really like lights a fire under us to mm-hmm. really stand up. And if it's, if it's not anybody else that's going to do it, you yeah. know, then who else, right? When we come, when we come forward, I want to, I want to probe a little bit more. Um, I did not know when I mentioned Philando Castillo, you were going to tell me what you told me that you, I think you said you stacked groceries for him. Uh, I want to hear more about your relationship to Philando Castillo and how you then processed that moment that we all saw across the nation uh, when he was uh, murdered. Um, sitting in his car. Uh, we know that story well. Uh, but I want to probe that a bit further, if I can, your relationship and how you knew Philando and how you processed a game that particular uh, that particular moment. And there's, there's a question here that, I again, I want to put to both members of the city council in St. Paul, Anika Bowie and Shanika Johnson. What, what, what's the real, what, what's the, who's the real Twin City? Is it, uh, is it the story of these seven women uh, of color who are running St. Paul? Uh, a rarity in a big city, or is it the story of Philando Castile and George Floyd? I, I'm not sure. I, I'm feeling sort of schizophrenic here about what the Twin Cities really is all about. We'll talk about that in a great deal more as we celebrate these uh, seven women, certainly two of them, who are running the city of St. Paul. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Sounds different. different. Huh. This, this is Tavis Smiley. When you're talking about the Twin Cities, it gives you a good excuse to weave in some music from the purple one. And uh, he sounds as good as ever. Uh, our guests in this hour are St. Paul, Minnesota Council members Anika Bowie and Shaniqua Johnson. They are two of these seven sisters of color uh, who are essentially running the city of St. Paul. It is a rarity among large U.S. cities have an all-female city council uh and a couple of them are barely 28 um so don't tell me uh Greta Scott King uh told me many many years ago when I was just a kid myself uh, in college I was in in Atlanta when I very first met her for a student conference and we of course went on to become friends and interviewed her many times over the course of my career uh but she told me one day uh Tavis um as long as you are black you're gonna be in a struggle so the sooner you fall in love with the struggle, the better off you are going to be. Uh, and um, she knew that better than anybody, given that she and Martin were really young when they got engaged and involved. And the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, and so uh, uh, you're never too young to be persecuted and you're never too young to be engaged in protest and all the things that we have to do to make America uh, respect those of us who have been disenfranchised politically, economically, socially, and culturally. And I celebrate these two council members in St. Paul who are doing their part. Uh, I've said many times, um, and certainly in this month, I've said more than once, that we celebrate black history today because somebody did something yesterday. And if we do nothing today, there is no black history to celebrate tomorrow. So um, you can look at it as a conversation about women power. You can look at it as a conversation about making black history. However you look at it, I'm delighted to have council members Anika Bowie and Shaniqua Johnson on this program. Council member Bowie, before that break, 
um, you were telling me uh, that you actually knew Philando Castillo. Tell me more about how you knew him and how you processed what the rest of us all came to uh, to grieve. That sad story of him being in his car uh, with family uh, and being murdered, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, growing up, we always knew, you know, like um, Councilmember Johnson was sharing about, you know, growing up in St. Paul Small. Like, we know everybody, right? Um, so Philando Castillo grew up as someone as we knew as, like, Miss Valerie Castillo's son. Um, he lived and worked um, off Selby Avenue. He went to Central High School. I graduated from Central High School as well. Um, so seeing the that, you know, devastating video was very um, paralyzing, mm. you know, to be honest, paralyzing of just because this was after countless deaths across the entire country. Right. Um, and then just but uh, in the in the wake of that, you know, we saw this uh, this this momentum building of a movement of people who weren't, you know, didn't call themselves activists, didn't call themselves criminal justice reformists, you know, just saw themselves as human beings coming, showing up and giving compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Philando Castro also was known as serving food um, inside of J.J. Hill, uh, which is a school that's actually still located in my ward. So, um, you know, how I uh, processed that uh, was what I know best in terms of just like how can something like this not happen again, but also mm. like defining what the problem was, right? Yeah. Uh, and the problem in that, in 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 the case of Philando Castillo being murdered, was uh, a, a lack of accountability and a poor professionalism that has been rooted in our policing model for years, right, mm-hmm. for centuries, um, and we have never, you know, ever addressed the problem, but. Um, um, at that time, I also was a teacher. I was an instructor um, for broadcast journalism at the school of Gordon Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also in my ward. I'm sure you probably know Robin Hickman. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know she's going to love to hear this. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually um, was teaching um, students at the time how to tell their stories of what was going on in their communities. Mm. And I just remember um, seeing that, that Facebook Live and that very next morning getting a memo from the school district that we uh, could not talk about the murder of Philando Castillo. We couldn't talk about it in our classrooms. We were basically like ordered a gag order that we don't have any mm. um, permission to to facilitate a conversation, and that was in, I was enraged mm. um, because something as paralyzing as this, and something as close as home, um, in not giving not only the the teachers but the students the opportunity to grieve. And this is something that's on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So we have no control of how um, far this had hit the airwaves. Um, so I just became very frustrated, and, um, you know, um, I'm an Aries, so, you know, I get really hot-headed <laughs> and was just, like, ready to do something, right? I'm like, we, we one, we can't be silent and not talk about this. Two, um, we literally, like, this is the opportunity for us to come together to provide healing, not only to the family, yeah. um, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, while we're providing healing, but we're also building on the momentum of, like, centuries of the civil rights movement and all these other movements around police brutality. So it was like a moving train yeah. that, um, that, uh, that, you know, we had anchored to make sure that we actually had critical change. Some yeah. of the things that came out of it, I actually, um, 
was uh, we had created uh, these initiatives uh, with the post board, which is the licensing board that provides training to all of the officers in the state of Minnesota. Um, so we had added more training in terms of being youth-centered. You have to have someone of color, uh, more de-escalation training um, to where um, for all the new incoming officers have to um, have an internship within a community, um, have to, like, you know, have all these different, like, volunteering hours to ensure that they're building relationships and really destigmatizing the very neighborhoods that mm. they are, you know, in. Yeah. So um, moving forward from that, I actually had the opportunity, this was in 2019, um, to serve on the Police Civilian um, Commission, which uh, we investigate and uh, we investigate complaints um, brought forth by um, civilians around complaints around policing. So serving on that mm. and uh, increasing the recommendations. So, yeah, it was, but it, yeah, no, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, it, that was, a, that was a serious moment. And I'm not, I'm not sure out of that moment, but when we all saw that video of Philando Castillo, and then we of course saw the video of George Floyd, it was, it was just, it was all too much. So when we come forward, I've had a number of conversations about this over the years with my friend, Nakima Levy Armstrong, she and I've had conversations about this. And that is what, what, what is the real twin cities? Is it, is it this celebratory conversation we're having now? about these seven uh, sisters of color who are running the city of St. Paul, rare for a large city, or is it uh, cops, you know, uh, maltreating uh, black and brown people? Uh, I'm not sure I, I, I know what the real deal is. We'll talk about that when we come forward. And I want to get back to Councilmember Shaniqua Johnson. She mentioned that she's the first one in her family to go to college, a four-year school. I know something of that. That is my story as well. And I'm fascinated by her being able to be the first to do that and then being uh, being called, as it were, into uh, public service. We'll talk about that as we celebrate these sisters who are running St. Paul on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Ranked number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. More of council members Anika Bowie and Janika Johnson coming your way right now. Uh, two of the members of the all-female city council in St. Paul, Minnesota, making history in Black History Month themselves. And I'm delighted to celebrate them uh, in the remaining moments I have left. My time's getting away from me, so let me speed this up right quick here. Uh, Councilwoman Johnson, uh, you mentioned that uh, you are the first in your family to go to four-year college. I know something of that in my family. I've got nine brothers and sisters. I often tell this story that I was the first one to do it, but in, in literally one generation, you can change the trajectory of an entire family. I've got nine siblings. I'm 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 at the top of the at the top of the heap. Uh, and so I end up going to college first, and then I look behind me. Uh, I got a brother that went to Indiana University, a sister went to IU, a brother went to Hampton, another brother went to Morehouse. So I jump out there first, and then all my siblings start to follow me. And so you can change my, the trajectory of a family literally in one generation. I'm curious as to how your being the first through then led to your responding to the call to be a public servant. Yeah, I mean, it kind of ties back in, you know, to the questions and the dialogue that you and Councilman Bowie were having around, you know, the Twin Cities, like, uh, you know, to be blunt about it, I think Minnesota and, like, to your real space or your real question of, like, what's the real story? I mean, the real story is that Minnesota has a very eerie past, a mm -hmm. racist one at mm -hmm. that, you know, and, like, in so many different ways, it has impacted a lot of people, including my family. You know, a large part of my father's story was around um, happened really towards the 
last 20 years of his life, right? And to put into context, you know, he, when he passed, he was 96 years old. Mm. So, um, you know, when you're looking at just the life and the trajectory that he had, he spent his whole life just so I could be in this moment. Um, you know, and then, and like, and there's a lot of just overall things that I see when I look at the Twin Cities and I look at my hometown, when I look at the state that we are in, because a lot of times I think it hits a lot of national news for a lot of the things that are negative. So yeah. for the first time, I'm actually really glad that there's a positive nationwide story that is capturing this council, you know, but I think about how so many of the first in the Twin Cities are still happening. Yeah. When I think about like the first black women, um, you know, elected to the Minnesota State Senate with Claire Omova Baton, Zainab Mohammed, and Aaron McQuaid. I think about how like, you know, I'm 28. There's a 27-year-old mayor in St. Louis Park, um, Nadi Mohammed. And then there's Rosalind Harmon, who, you know, was just elected to the mayor of Golden Valley. And many people stepping into these roles as a form of resistance. Yeah. And so when you look at, like, just how much we have really had to kind of experience here in Minnesota, yeah. part of my story of getting into public services that I looked around many political spaces. And I didn't often find black women. I didn't often find women who had my shared experience. And I wanted to make sure that we were represented. Lo- and so when I stepped up for that, that was the part of it. No, I, why. no I, lo- I, love, I love that phraseology and y- your frame, actually, that uh, you're getting engaged and involved in public service is in itself a form of resistance. I receive that. Uh, getting engaged, getting involved in the political arena is in and of itself a form of resistance. And I want to close when we come forward by asking these council members, Anika Bowie and Shaniqua Johnson, what advice they would give to black women all around the country listening to this program about uh, public service. Uh, it scares a lot of people. Uh, and yet um, somebody's got to put themselves up to run. And again, if you consider your your running as a form of resistance, uh, maybe that maybe that's all you need to hear. Let's talk about that part when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. The truth. Speaking the truth. This is the Tavis Smiley Show. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. I've got about two minutes. I'm going to split it one minute apiece <laughs> to give final thoughts to these two council members of what they would say to black women listening to this program all across the country about the call to serve uh, in the public service arena. Uh, first, you council member Nico Johnson. Yeah, of course. You know, to be brief, what I would say is lean on the community that you know and the community that you have yet to meet because people truly do come out the woodworks to help you. Um, and then I just would say, remember, White men occupied these seats for centuries, and they were never asked if they were qualified. They were never asked to show their credentials. As a black woman, you are definitely qualified to do this work. And it's, you know, it's not easy. You have to put yourself out there. So if you're going to put yourself out there, if you're going to subject yourself to whatever comes, fight like heck to make it happen and work really hard and, you know, door knock, phone bank, do all the things that are required of you to make sure that if you're going to do that, if you're going to step out there, if you're going to be vulnerable, yeah. that it's worth it. And not just to win, but for the community. No, I, I, I love that frame uh, that Shaniqua Johnson puts out, that her service is in and of itself a form of resistance. Last word to you, Council Member Anika Bowie. 
Yes. Well, actually, I love this question. It gets me so energized because I just think about, you know, the power of transforming pain to power for political change. That's have always been my mission to where, you know, we have a legacy of overcoming, um, a legacy of dealing with the oppressions, but we are not going to allow that pain to cripple us, to paralyze us, right? We're going to stand in our power. And um, I run an organization called Run Like Harriet, and one of my models is if Harriet Tubman can run for her freedom and go back to save others, then you can run for our freedoms, and you can run for office, you can invest in your communities, you can make sure that you're organizing your people, ensuring that you're also organizing our dollars to where politics is everything, right? Is where we live, where we do business, and where we, you know, you know, raise a family. So run like Harriet, keep running out there, keep going, um, stay courageous, um, stay focused, and that you have a team, a network of black women all across the country who's rooting for you. No, I love that. I love these two sisters. So one says that her service is a form of resistance, and the other says run like Harriet. I'll take both of them. They are council members, Hanika Bowie and Shaniqua Johnson, both serve on the city council in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, the all-female city council in St. Paul, Minnesota. These sisters are running things. Sisters are doing it for themselves and, frankly, for all the rest of us. And we celebrate the black history that they are making in Black History Month and beyond. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you for your time. All the best to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Good to have you on. So now we spend an hour talking to the sisters. We will flip the script and talk to the brothers in the next hour. Young, black, and done with Biden, they say. You're listening to Tavis Smiley.